This is Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. And now here's your host, Steve Teal. Steve Teal, Very Bold Radio and Podcast. This is how I'm starting the show today. Do not go away. Watch this show. Listen to the show. Let me tell you who we've got and say hello to Jim, the rookie, Morris. How are you, Jim? Great, Steve. I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you? Man, I am. I'm I'm feeling the power of God, honestly. I am feeling the power of God right now, so I am doing fantastic. Uh, I just finished... So let me give you a little background. Um, you should know Jim, the rookie Morris. One of my favorite films of all time was a Disney movie called The Rookie. It is about Jim Morris. Um, it is a beautiful fictionalized, but also, you know, definitely lots of true elements. And the biggest true element is, uh, that at 35 years old, Jim, the rookie Morris, uh, was suddenly went from being a high school teacher whose kids on the baseball team made a, a bet with him. If they won the district championship, then he would have to pursue his dream and go to a baseball tryout. And uh, the rookie, the movie, you know, captures that, captures some of his words, um, captures the truth of him uh, striking out Royce Clayton at uh, the ballpark in Arlington in front of all his family and friends. And, uh, and it's, it's just one of my favorite movies. Now, let me tell you, he's got a new book, Dream Makers. Dream Makers. Surround yourself with the best to be your best. The book is Dream Makers. Man, it's Father's Day Sunday. The book hasn't even come out. Order it now on Amazon. Uh, go to the website, um, dream, dreammakersbook.com. Go and get this book. This book is incredible. I love the movie that Disney made, but this book is better. This book is better. It's incredible, and you don't want to miss it. And I'm feeling chills, so I want Jim just to, man, tell us about your book. I don't even know. I'm just feeling the presence of God. So, uh, Jim, uh, man, tell us about Dream Makers. This is a book that took about a year to write, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, it took us a lot longer than that, man. When I try to do everything for myself, my wife and I, Shauna, we never could get an ending, and we had the meat of it, but we're like, it's lacking an ending and we can't take it to a, anybody to have it published if it doesn't have the ending. Wow. And then God in his grace, he's like, you want one ending? How about two? <laughs> and just everybody has some sort of dysfunction in their family. And whether it be addiction, chronic illness, cancer, mm. we're all fighting something. We're like now we're civil unrest, COVID, who knows what the truth is, who doesn't know what the truth is. We get shreds of it, but we have no idea what to believe, what not to believe, and everybody's pushing their own agendas. Right. This book came out of audiences going, we love the movie, we love your story, Dennis did a great job, but what have you done since then? Ah. And since, since then has been a lot. And like yeah. 2001, very few people knew that I walked away from the Dodgers. Everybody'd go, oh, you got cut, you got released. Nope, that's not what happened. I was in Vero in L.A. working out with the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium. Yeah, I drove from there. Five days, I stopped, saw my kids, and got to Vero Beach where the Dodgers still had camp. Yeah, and within five days, I couldn't throw. I couldn't judge balls hit back at me. Oh, and this yeah. person who was a coach couldn't even bunt a ball. And I'm like, what is going on? My balance was off. My 
my, I started tremoring in my hand and I thought, this is ridiculous. And then I got a sinus infection, my neck locked up, and then I got this headache. And when people go, oh, you got a headache, just yeah. take a couple aspirin. This wasn't take a few aspirin, take a nap, and you feel great. This was January 1st, you get a headache. October 1st, the headache goes away. October yeah. 4th, the headache comes back, you have it till April. And people, the doctors were stymied. They did an MRI and they're like, you have scar tissue on your brain. And eventually what happened was wow. I was diagnosed with CTE-induced Parkinsonism, which turned into Parkinson's. World-renowned doctor in Houston said, you've had too many concussions and it's just going to get worse and you're going to get sicker. Wow. Gave me medicine for it. The medicine worked, but it killed my stomach. And so then I had gastric bypass surgery, which at the time... Me, I thought, I'm not that fat. And now I look back at pictures and I'm like, you know what? You were pretty big. <laughs> and a deep brain stimulator, they did gastric bypass. And so for the first time in years, I could smell, I could taste, I didn't have tremors. Wow. And so this deep brain stimulator was working. Yeah. And so this is, I've been making all my speeches, but Steve, you have to understand, I would, I would pack for a trip. And at this time, I'm traveling by myself. I would go to the airport. I would sleep in the airport till I got on the plane. I would sleep on the plane. I would get to yeah. the hotel. I would sleep until I had to go to the stage. I would do my speeches. Everybody loved them, standing ovations. Right. I would go back to my room, sleep till I went to the airport, and then go back home. So this is a story about all of it. Yeah. And I just lay it out there and go, you know what? Here's a story. And you know what? We can overcome a lot more than we think we can, and we can do it with prayer. Right. Wow. Well, um, man, where do we go from here? I mean, there are miracles in this book. There is another story of redemption. And there is also, um, I feel like, kind of more to the story of the rookie um, that you tell us about and share about. Um, and you do share, you know, you're talking about being at, uh, with the Dodgers and um, the coach at the time. How did he react when you said, hey, I'm, I'm done with baseball? And, you know, God speaks to us in that still voice, and it's up to us to listen and discern what he's saying. And I wasn't getting it at first, so the balance issues and not being able to bunt and not being able to judge ground balls back at me, I think he thought that I wasn't quite getting it. And so at that point, my son calls me. And at this point, I've been playing baseball, doing a book, doing a movie. I've been gone. Right. And Hunter calls me in Hero Beach, and he goes, Dad, how long are you going to be gone? And that made up my mind immediately. I packed my truck up. I went back to camp. Wow. And I walked into Jim Tracy's office, who has all the spring training issues of every major league ball player and all their egos going on at the time. And I tell him, I said, look, my kids are more important. I would love to stay here and play. This is a game I've wanted to play since I was five. It's better than I ever could have dreamed or better than I ever did dream. But you guys are a great organization. I appreciate everything. And this manager, with everything he's got going on, gets up, walks around the desk, hugs me. He goes, if I had more people like you, we would never lose. Wow. He goes, if you ever need anything, call me, and I'll be there. And then he sent me around the clubhouse with the clubhouse kid and gave me bats, balls, gloves, batting gloves, Dodger hats, Dodger jackets to give to all the kids back at home. He wished me luck. I was off, and I went home, got my kids, went to the movie set. Yeah, Jim, what a... Man, talk about integrity and character. Wow, that's Jim Tracy. So what was it about you that impacted him in such such a way? I mean, it wasn't just you um, 
leaving and saying, I got to be with my family? Or was that it? Was there more to it? I mean, what do you think it was? I I think it was just the way that I carried myself in my work ethic and trying to do everything and do it well. My best friend of big leagues, Roberto Hernandez, we were playing. The new team was going to be the first game of spring training the next day. And Bert was pitching, and I was supposed to be there. And he goes, you do not leave camp. Do not leave until I talk to you. On the mean, in the meantime, my agent, Steve, is calling me going, don't leave camp. And I'm like, I'm done. Wow. I've already, I've already sent out the information I need. My kids need me more than baseball needs me. It's time to go home, along with the physical issues. And so the next day I left, and I never looked back. I... Baseball is a great, great game. I wish we could get back on the field right now because it has seen us through so much of our history. Right. But for me at that point, I got there. And I got there in a most unique way. God used a group of high school kids who nobody believed in. And when I pushed them, they pushed back and they pushed me back into a dream I'd wanted my whole life. And I'd failed at so miserably when I was young and I was supposed to be talented. (laughs) And so I have them to thank, too. Man, that's incredible. I love uh, in the in the book, we're talking with Jim, the rookie Morris, and the book is Dream Makers, and I just can't express enough uh, how powerful the book is because the stories are so powerful and the stories of redemption. But even in the book, uh, you know, I know you talk about one of your, you know, high school players who becomes – uh, a helicopter pilot and you, you, you know, you catch us up a little bit on some of that, but that those relationships that you formed with those kids, um, uh, is still amazing to this day. And in the book, you know, that's why I'm saying like the, the movie, the rookie is so great, but you've got more stories even about that that open our eyes, even to, uh, some of the, the obstacles that you ran into when the athletic director head football coach was replaced, uh, you know, by a new athletic director head football coach who, I mean, you wouldn't know from the movie that when you guys make the playoffs um, that he's already got an, you got your replacement, right? Is that right? Uh, yeah. He's showing uh, my classroom with kids in it and me teaching <laughs> to prospective coaches. He's already ruled me out and he has to keep me that first year. But after the next year, he's already got me out the door. And we didn't get along. Our philosophies were totally different. But that's where the dream killer thing comes in. People don't want to see other people succeed because they've either failed at something or they're too afraid to try. And so if they can drag you down to where they are, they feel better about where it is they are. And he and I, let's just say we did not see eye to eye. We never will. And those people are in every facet of life, in every vocation we have you'll have if you work with 100 people 99 will be salt of the earth people that one person is there just kind of like a thorn picking at you yeah and it's just it's that way with baseball it's that way with radio it's that way with publishers speakers bureaus clients everything there's always that one person who just wants to see other people stumble yeah Talk to us about some of the dream killers in your life. And I I know, I mean, I can tell you, Jim, I mean, my my dad, and it's Father's Day just a couple of days from now, uh, my dad is a dream maker. My dad is one of the most positive influences on people anywhere and everywhere. And so I had a different experience than you did 
uh, with your dad. And my dad was also a military man. He was uh, in the Army for 29 years in the infantry. And uh, your experience, though, with uh, your dad is much different. You consider him not a dream maker. No, my dad was physically and verbally abusive to the point where I never knew where the fist or the hand was coming from or the the ring, the gold ring with the ruby in it that he would turn around and pop me in the back of the skull with. Wow. But I tell, I tell people all the time, the bruises go away. It's the words that stick with you. And you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. Usually with the F word tied somewhere in there. Yeah. And one day, as my mom walks out of the room, he's holding my little baby brother, and he looks at me, and he goes, this is the one we wanted. We never wanted you. Wow. We had, we had to get married because of you. And when you're a kid, that's a lot of weight. It is. And I just, he's been that way the entire time. Now, people, the second question is, oh, so the part where he's at the game and you give him the game ball, did that happen? Absolutely. Because forgiveness isn't about me wanting this great relationship with this person who is my biological father. It is about me forgiving him for me so I can move on and be okay with that. Because if I hold a grudge against him, then I'm in sitting in judgment of him. And that judgment is not my job. That's God's job. Yeah. Let me ask you, I'm not sure that, you know, you cover it too much in the book, but how, uh, how did you work through that forgiveness of your dad? Because I'm trying to remember um, what he said to you at one, I mean, I mean, he said several things throughout the book, but how, how did you get to that place of forgiveness? I mean, how did God help you through that? Or was that something that one day you just woke up and you were like, no, I'm, I'm done. I'm forgiving him. Or was that something that you had to kind of come back to time and time again? A big part of that was for my church in Kerrville and my girls praying for me. When I say girls, you know what I'm talking about, but the audience doesn't. Yeah. My girls are age 50 to 90 and they don't want to be called ma'am. And they don't want to be called lady. They want to be called girls. So those are my girls. Right. And so every surgery we'd go into, every problem that I would have, we're trying to clear stuff out so that when I'm going through Parkinson's, mm. they're helping me get rid of everything off the periphery so that we can just attack that and then get to that. And so they're praying with me. And then when my father passed away on April Fool's Day in like 2017, I think. Wow. Yeah. He, uh, my girls are like, are you going to go to the funeral? And I said, no, I'm not going to go celebrate somebody who tortured me. Yeah. I'm not doing that because I've forgiven him, and I've forgiven him so I can move on. But I've forgiven him so I can move on so that I can be better for my wife and my kids. Right. Man, that's, that's awesome. Well, let me ask you this because we do see sometimes um, sort of a pattern of abuse and, you know, you see like a dad who abuses a kid or mentally, verbally, all of that physically, and then that's all they know. And so then they pass that along. How is it that you were able to break that cycle and just be, I'm not doing that to my kids? Uh, God speaks loudly in whispers. And yeah, when I married my ex-wife, both sides of the family were going, you don't need to marry that person. You don't need to marry them. I went into the marriage thinking, I'll fix her. And she came into the marriage going, I'll fix him. Yeah. And our, our deal was we're not going to have kids because I, that's exactly what I was afraid of. I would be like my dad. And I didn't want that for any mm. child to go through because I knew what it meant to me and how I tried to overcome that by overcompensating every step of the way and pushing myself beyond my own limits. And then 
my ex-wife got pregnant and she, when they put Hunter in my arms, all I could do is cry and go, who could touch a kid? Yeah. Wow. Wow. And it was, it was just different from that point on. And so had three with my ex-wife, my wife came into the marriage with two. So the guy who didn't want any kids ended up with five. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's, that's amazing. That's awesome. So for you, I mean, when you held Hunter, your, you know, your baby boy at the time, obviously, uh, it just, you, it, for you, it was like, man, how could anybody ever harm somebody like this? Yeah, we're giving children to bring them up, but they are gifts from God for us to raise up right. as gifts to God and not tear down and not punish or just do horrible things with. I mean, it was just, I want all that to stop. I, peace, love, forgiveness. Yeah. And we need to we need to have hope and something better around the corner because there's too much of that going on even in today's day and age. And you still got people kidnapping. Right. I'm beside myself, going, "How can we not stop this?" It is 2020. Right, right. Yeah, you're right. All right, we're talking to Jim, the rookie Morris. Um, truly, one of my favorite movies of all time. Back in uh, by Disney, was that what year was that that they made the movie? 2001. Uh, came out in 2002. 2002. And, uh, and just an incredible story. But the book is Dream Makers, Surround Yourself with the Best to Be Your Best. And you achieved with you know this, what is told in the movie and also told in this book um, incredible success, like one of the greatest sports stories of all time. But then you went on to achieve as a motivational speaker – and become, I mean, just worldwide and uh, in demand uh, and have the pinnacle of success in a career that you would never have chosen for yourself. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. My father would look at me every day and go, children to be seen and not heard. And so I grew up uh, being introverted and shy. And some people took that as not being very nice, but I was just beyond shy. I just didn't want to talk. I was polite. I held doors for people. I shook hands. I looked people in the eye. But as far as just being open and gregarious, that was never me. Yeah. And even today, I can go up on a stage, flip a light switch, and God goes, okay, now it's time. And I walk off the stage, I get back to the airport, and I put my headphones on. And now that Shauna travels with me, she's learned that is a lot of energy that takes yeah. out of someone who is normally quiet. And so she puts her headphones on too. And we just we go about life and I've gotten to see places that I never would have seen. And I've gotten to talk to people. And one thing I know, Steve, beyond yeah. anything else, even today talking to you, everybody on this planet has a story of, of what made them who they are. Yeah. Yeah. You are right about that, man. Well, let's, uh, let's talk. So you, you reach the pinnacle of, you know, that career of motivational speaking, but you're dealing with these health issues and how do you start to deal with those health issues? Oh, uh, 58 surgeries in 20 years. Uh, our marketing team was in from Vegas over the weekend. And when I say marketing team in Vegas, everybody's like, oh, now these are <laughs> way Christian people who do marketing. And I met them through a secular world speech, a corporate speech. And then the man that I met them through invites me to do his church, a, a men's retreat. And then he introduces me to his son-in-law and daughter, 
and those are my marketing people. And they came into town, and we we covered so much stuff this past weekend. And but fifty eight surgeries in wow. twenty years, you're constantly on opiates. They're either giving them to you because you're hurt, or you're taking them because you're having surgery, or you're taking them after surgery to recover. That's like two and a half surgeries a year every year. Yeah. So you're constantly on that, but the pain is still so bad. I mean, the, the headaches I had left scar tissue on my brain. My gosh. That's how bad they were. And so the medicine's not working. Yeah. And so I start drinking vodka and I'll help, I'll help the medicine work. Yeah. And then I start skipping church and sitting on the end of my couch and my girls go to church. I'd pop a couple pills, have a drink and sit there being miserable because I hurt and I didn't want to do anything and I couldn't sleep and everything started getting to me and I still had faith. I was still making my speeches, Yeah, but the disease just was killing me. And now we're talking about pills and vodka as a disease, along with the surgeries and the Parkinson's and the CT. My gosh. And I, I end up in rehab and that's, where you get chapter nine and you know aptly titled because nobody wants to see a 52 year old man doing jumping jacks like we just <laughs> we discuss in the book and uh right <laughs> and immediately while i'm in rehab i our counselor is a, uh, my pastor and so i go into his office one day and he loves baseball he's been to every major league stadium he's got artifacts all over his office and he looks at me he goes I love your story. I love the movie. I love Dennis playing you. Why are you here? Yeah. And I said, I, get, I, said, I gave up. I said, I quit. And he goes, why? And he goes, is Jesus not with you? I said, absolutely, he's with me. He's right next to me. He goes, so let me get this right. So Jesus is your co-pilot. And I said, yes, just like the bumper sticker. He goes, let me ask you another question. If you had Jesus in a vehicle with you, why is he not driving? Right. Oh, uh, <laughs> and that, that flipped something in me and I was like, mm. huh, okay. And from that point on, I still, I've got my girls at church praying for me. I've got my girls and my family praying for me. I don't detox at all. It's just like cold turkey. You're done. Whoa. It's over next chapter. And everybody else is getting sick while we're there. And over the next three days, I get over being mad about being there. I start helping other patients, and then other staff start seeing me interact with patients, and they start coming to me with issues that they've got, and I start helping them. <laughs> You're kidding. In the meantime, I'm learning a whole lot, but here's the deal. God puts us where God wants us when God wants us there, and I oh. think I was there to serve a purpose. Yeah. And not only was it helping me, but it was helping other people. When they see, ooh, this guy who's had all this stuff, and he's got this movie and a book, and, and he's here, and maybe there's help for me, and then... That starts a healing process. Yeah. And let me tell you something about our civil unrest right now. Yeah. Chronic illness, chronic illness doesn't know race. Yeah. Addiction doesn't know race. Yeah. It is, this stuff can attack you anywhere, anytime. And if you don't have your life right, it will swallow you up. And I'm a perfect example of that. And then on the other side of that, you come out three years ago, my, 75-year-old mother bought me a cane because I couldn't even walk around the block. And I'm dragging my leg everywhere. Yeah. And then we get to chapter 10, yeah. which is why, there, why there's a feather on the book. And I'm not going to discuss that whole thing. But let's just say that three years ago I couldn't walk, and now I'm running. Wow. So 
I'm, I'm running, I'm lifting every day. If I'm not running, I'm walking five to eight miles a day. And I'm constantly in motion, and I constantly want to be busy. And here's the other deal. When you're talking about, when you tell God what you want, be careful of the answer you may get. Because for two years, my wife and I were going, we need to look into virtual meetings. Then we don't have to go through TSA. We don't have to be packed into a tin can <laughs> like sardines. And we need to look into virtual stuff. And then you never have the time because you're always traveling. Right. And then COVID hits, and the bureaus start calling, going, hey, can you do virtual meetings? And we're like, yes, we can. <laughs> and then you start and you switch again, and then you start doing that, and the dream you start chasing may not be the one you end up loving the most. And the biggest compliment I think I've gotten, and I've gotten a lot of great compliments, yes, you including have. yours, but my mother-in-law was reading the book, and we did it because she was in education for 40 years, and we wanted her to proof it. Because we noticed some grammatical errors. Well, if you read any article on the net now, there's grammatical errors everywhere. Right, And right. our book has some in this first edition. So if you get the first 3,000 copies of this book, you're going to see the grammatical errors. Those will be keepsakes, I promise you, because those are <laughs> going to be different with the next go-around. But she called uh, Shauna when she was into it, and she goes, I swear Jimmy is in my living room telling me this story. Yeah. And that is how... We wanted the book to be, and Mark, our co-writer, and, and of course, God, they helped us get that down on paper so it sounds like my speaking voice. And I'm not telling people what to do. I'm not telling you who to have faith in or what to have faith in. I'm telling you what has worked for me. Yeah. Man, it is an incredibly compelling story, and I, I am... It is just beautifully told. I love how your mother-in-law describes that. And as you're describing what she's saying, yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's it. I mean, I, I'm right there with you, and you're telling me these stories. And like I said, I, I love the movie, The Rookie, and then you're telling me more. And even when you're telling me uh, about those stories, I'm like, wow, this is better than the movie. And then to find, you know, these incredible things. And when I get to the end of the book, and I know we're not talking about it, um, you know, and I had seen the feather on the cover, and then to see the reveal of why the feather, and I'm feeling, man, I'm feeling God right now as I'm talking about it. And uh, I want to tell our listeners and our viewers, just go ahead and get Dream Makers and try to get one of those first 3,000, because those are the collector's. <laughs> Uh, collector's uh, edition. Those are the ones you want because those are going to be worth the most. Uh, but this is a great book. I know so many men that are struggling with issues of addiction. And for you, Jim, to just share your story, you know, in in this world and the world of Christianity, um, a lot of times we're like, oh, don't don't tell us about that. Don't tell us that you struggled. Don't tell us that you know you had to deal with your surgeries this way. Don't tell us about that. But no, this is this is so important. Tell us that story because we are hurting. We are struggling. We are dealing with addiction. Your husbands are dealing with addictions. Um, your kids are dealing with those. And this book is a way for us to say, man, let's bring it out into the light. And let's deal with it and let's let God deal with it in powerful ways. God wants to powerfully intersect with our brokenness. And that's what he's done with Jim. And that's why I have no problem saying, you know what? We're not going to talk about the miracles at the end of the book because you need to get this book. And I don't know if, you know, how long it's going to take before they make this into a movie. 
Um, but it's going to it's gonna take a little while, I'm guessing. So get the book now, Dream Makers. Surround yourself with the best to be your best. It is powerful, and God is in it. And, uh, man, I just love it. Uh, Jim, do you have anything you want to say just to somebody who's sitting here listening? Maybe they um, are surrounded. You know, you talk about one out of 199 or, you know, pretty solid salt of the earth. But then that one loud voice, um, you know, of the people that want to crush your dreams and break your dreams. Um, what would you say to somebody who feels like right now they, they, they're surrounded? They do have a dad who is like that. They do have a boss who is like that. Uh, maybe they're in a marriage where they feel like somebody doesn't believe in their dreams. You know, what would you tell them today? Oh, man, all, all the lessons I've learned, yeah. I think take, taking the high road always. Mm. And the best revenge is living well. And we don't have to say anything. We don't have to do anything other than to live the very best because I can't live to make somebody else like me. All I can do is be the best me I can possibly be. Yeah. And for one more story, if you have time real quick. Jim, I I got all the time for these stories, man. You just go. I love it. Let's hear it. Dennis had asked me to do a podcast because he started doing podcasts and called me up, asked me, and there's nothing so so surreal. Even when you know the man, he's your friend, to be walking down the road with your wife and look at your phone because it's ringing and it says Dennis Quaid on there. (laughs) He wanted to do a podcast with me, and I wasn't going to bother him other than to help him do his podcast. Yeah. And my wife and my manager type person, they're like, (laughs) all right. We're going to go behind your back, and we're going to call Dennis. Dennis ends up writing the foreword. Yeah. And for for men who know what kids really mean in your life and what a good spouse means in your life, when you have emotions and when you have a kid and they put that first kid in your arms, if you're truly a man of God, there is an emotion that strikes you and water starts coming out of your face, and you're like, (laughs) what is going on? When I got Dennis's board back, I, I just started crying because I thought, man, yeah. you've made so many movies and you're telling me this. And when I do the podcast with him, we get near the end and we're doing the podcast is just like you and I are talking right now, but it's visual. So I'm watching him in his living room in California and he's watching me and he looks at me. He gets all excited. He goes, this is a better story. Yeah. And he just got excited about it. And I thought, I never even thought of it like that. I just thought of this is what God wanted me to put out and it need to be come out now. And it came out in his time, not mine. And because I didn't have an ending, he gave us two. Now is the right time. Yeah. And we just need, but those people that you love, make sure they know you love them. Yeah. And I watched a whole generation of kids when I lived in Dallas with parents throwing money at kids. Yeah. Instead of throwing love at kids. Yeah. Come on. And so we just need to get back to the love and kids need boundaries and they're going to push those boundaries because they want to know what their boundaries are. And if you don't give them to them, yeah. they're going to stretch and stretch and stretch. And before you know it, things are going to happen and your kid's going to be out of control and you're going to go, but I gave them everything. That's exactly the point. Right. It's not about stuff. It's about what's in the heart that matters. Yeah. What are the ways with Father's Day coming? Maybe somebody's just feeling a little bit uh, as a dad, you know, man, I want to do better. Uh, what What are some of the things that have helped you as a dad? I mean, I know we all have kind of different ways of expressing our love, 
But what's uh, something practical that you can tell a dad who's listening and maybe feeling compelled like, you know, dang, I, I want to do better. I'm, I'm more like Jim's dad was. I want to be more like Jim. What is something they can do uh, today? I'll tell you what I learned, and I learned it back when I played baseball in 1999. We had, and this is kind of Bible talk, so we're talking Bible here. Uh, we had a, <laughs> a pastor come in and do a meeting with us, and so all these guys go out in the dugout before a game, and he's giving us a message, and he told us to read, corresponding with the day of the month, to read that book of Proverbs. Mm. And he goes, when you get to the first day of the month and you read Proverbs 1, the next month and you read Proverbs 1 again, it will mean something totally different to you, and you will catch something else, and it's going to make you think. And when you think, you've got to slow down long enough to put that into practical use. And I've learned something every day for 21 years now and gone, I didn't even see that the first 75 times I read it. But now I get it, and that, that verse will pick up on something, and you're like, wow. Yeah. I need to work on that. Now, am I perfect? Absolutely not. Have I made mistakes? Woo, I've made bad <laughs> mistakes. But I'm owning them, and I'm moving on because... Until my kids see me forgive myself, yeah, I, I can't forgive other people. Yeah. And I need to be able to forgive myself to move on and to be able to forgive other people because judgment is where everybody messes up. And when you look at somebody and you compare, like I can't be Max Scherzer right. who comes out throwing darts, painting the black on both sides of the plate every time he comes out. All I could do is be the best Jim Morris I could be. Yeah. And so we've got to be the best us we can be, and our kids want to see that. They don't want to see us be somebody else or pretend to be somebody else. Yeah. And I've learned this in all the big cities and all the churches I've ever spoken at across the country in the last 20 years. People put up this facade about, oh, we're perfect, we're perfect, until you get real and you go, you know what, we're not perfect. Right. And we're going to lay it out there. That's when people start learning. They start conversing. And then you can start changing the narrative on what a good parent is. Yeah. And right now we need dads more than anything to hug their kids because it's not what we say that's going to matter to our kids. It's what we do. Yeah. They'll listen to some of what we say, but they're watching what we're doing. Yeah, and if we're right. saying one thing and we're doing something else, mixed messages. Right. Yeah, you're right. Man, well, Jim, uh, thank you so much. I want to tell our our um, audience and our viewers that the book also, you know, we've uh, touched on some of the dramatic and powerful, but there's lots of humor and uh, Jim's humor comes through too. Uh, and lots of insights just on his life and what God has been doing. I think the book is just incredible. And I really think it's a great time to, uh, to pre-order it. I think it comes out in a few days, but you can, I know you can order it on Amazon and on the website and uh, I really think it's a great book to get into the hands of your husband or your dad or your grandfather or your son. Um, it's just incredible um, and, and just such a blessing. But your humor comes through it, too. And uh, whether it's your son who doesn't have any use for uh, baseball and tells the president so and, uh, you know, just there's so many different things that even as you alluded to in rehab and uh, it's just incredible. So what, what a gift um, that you have given to us and God has given to us through this book. The book is Dream Makers. 
surround yourself with the best to be your best. Any last words you have for us, Jim? This has been such an encouragement and such an inspiration, and the book is just wow. <laughs> I'm running out of words on the book. It's just wow. I'll just leave you guys with one more story. When yeah. Disney's running, all these people by me that want to play me, I'm stunned. Brad Pitt, Matthew McConaughey, Dennis, of course. <laughs> yeah. And they get down the list. They're like, Jim Caviezel wants to play you. And I only knew who he was because I'd seen Frequency with Dennis in it. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so I, I met Jim and his wife on a plane to New York. And he saw me on the plane. And he points at me. And he goes, I almost got to play you. So everybody on the plane <laughs> knew who we were. And I, I, I look over at Jim and I go, dude, you're way too good looking to play me. <laughs> and then and then two years later, he played Jesus. And I thought, man, if you're going to have somebody play you. That's the guy. <laughs> you, want, you want Jesus to play you. Right. I love it. I love it. Dana. But I want to wish everybody a happy Father's Day. And remember, it's not what we say. It's what we do. Mm. Not what we say, what we do. Man, well, happy Father's Day to you, Jim. Um, Stand by real quick if you can while I just sign off with our viewers and our podcast listeners. And uh, just thank you again for blessing us and being real with us and being honest. And this is this book, this story, whether it becomes a movie sometime down the road. um, Man, I, I can picture that real easily. I'm sure you can, too. But it is a powerful story that's going to impact a lot of lives. And I am so grateful just for that transparency of what you share with us. And we just need to get this into people's hands. So pre-order it now. And listeners, viewers, I just want to tell you, Jim is being very bold. And uh, that comes for us. We are Very Bold Ministries and Very Bold Radio and Podcast. And that comes from God's mouth through the Apostle Paul When he writes in 2 Corinthians 3.12, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. VeryBold.com